Toronto FC, a team with a new direction after an off-season makeover. It's an all-Canadian affair. Matt working against Morgan. Puts it across the mile. Yes! Marco DeVille! That's what we expected from him! To make those rainbows in my mind when I think of you sometime and I wanna spend some time with you just the two of us. Welcome to a special live-to-air version in snowy Toronto. Kevin and I are actually in the same room here in downtown Toronto. We're going to do a little show that we have titled the WTF MLS Edition. And no, it's not because I looked outside that I decided it should be the WTF. Even though I thought I missed a snowstorm. There was 30 centimeters of Montreal last two days. I'm like, I'm in Toronto. It's snowy. I made fun of families yesterday. Look at me now. Which, uh, those, yeah, exactly, and uh, those that don't know, WTF, of course, stands for Holy Totally Far Out MLS, or something, anyway. A weird day yesterday, weird signing, things were not expected, uh, shady deals almost, you could say, too, right? Yeah, it's Welcome to MLS. Days after Don Garber talked about transparency, we have an expansion draft, which was as about as transparent as this floor is at the moment, and for those who don't know, I'm not standing on a glass floor. <laughs> no, uh... Like, the impact of a couple moves, Vancouver did too. Toronto escaped a move and got him back. And there was New England made a move, apparently, with the teams before, so their best players wasn't picked. It, it was a weird draft and a weird re-entry draft. And it always is, because uh, that's MLS, and they hide everything. As per league and club policy, dot, dot, dot. <sighs> <laughs> All right, run a bumper. Here we go. It's a hip-hop dance party here in the downtown uh, location that we're filming. They're not really. No one wants to see me dance, Kevin. No one really wants to see me dance. No, but our gal, if you're still down there, uh, hang up. Hang on, buddy. I All love right. you, our gal. You're a good guy, our gal. All right, let's talk some expansion draft. Uh, Heath Pierce is gone. We'll start there. Uh, <gasps> Woo! That was my reaction. That was a Twitterverse reaction, too. Okay, so this wasn't a big loss. You were happy that the, this is the way it shook out. Not the most much to talk about there. Uh, Heath maybe had the most pretentious name in MLS. Heath kind of sounds like a guy that went to Harvard, don't you think? Yeah, he had the haircut to fit too, but I, on the field, it's not the biggest loss. What I heard afterwards, it's maybe in the locker room, with the loss of all a lot of veterans, he was a voice that was being listened to, and... That might be a reason that we saw the other trades that Montreal did or the other moves they did after to compensate that veteran uh, leadership role in the locker room, right? That's, well, let's just jump there because I don't know what we can't really break Heath Pierce down on the field. I, he was a bit, bit of a bit player. Knees. Yeah. Uh, real Cocker, really. Where'd that one come from? Oh, uh, my first reaction when we were together at Upper Bob's house. I was like, WTF, LOL, what happened? Why? Why would you sign a guy... First of all, there's a lot of bike racks in Montreal. 
<laughs> you never know what can happen. It could be dangerous for him to be in the city. But to be fair, I readjusted my stance after a couple of Twitter exchange with uh, Lloyd Barker and Frédéric Law, the commentator for the French TV Aspar channel. First of all, uh, it, might, it might be breaking news to you, but the impact renegotiated the salaries of the salary of Nigel Rio Cocker before the re-entry waiver draft. So the, the cap hit is probably a lot lower than 400000 which is probably the best news of the day for the impact. And the uh, last joke of the matter, does he have a sort of a bonus in there that he gets a little bit more if he doesn't tweet and walk? <laughs> At least he probably won't cook uh, like uh, his former teammates in yeah. Vancouver. Poof. Okay. Anyway, uh, he hurt himself tripping over a bike rack last year, for those that don't remember. Had a concussion, and he, to be honest, he was never the same player after. Yeah, I went to Chivas, and no one really notices what, what happens there uh, in L.A., who uh, stays in L.A. kind of thing, so now here he is. It was available for um, for nothing a little while ago, but uh, they got him, so there you go. And uh, here we are. Uh, look, I, I don't know about the signing. He, is he a veteran president? Is he going to add something that, that Heath Pierce left behind? I guess. Uh, you have to wait to see how these things play out. It's not a big, big, big move by any means. A couple years ago, this is a name that, that would have played out. The one thing I will say is his his name and where he played in the past inflates his salary. So yep. we really need to see what that salary is. And it, it's odd for the impact to go that route because it's not usually... They, had a, they were higher than the salary cap too, right? Whoops. Sorry, everybody's okay. Yeah. Uh, it's just the salary cap that the Impact have is already high for the 17 players they have under contract now. Yeah. With the with Rio Cogger probably being, I would, like, it's a total guess, but I would hope that it's 50% of what he used to play. So maybe 200000 would makes a little bit more sense than four hundred. Maybe right? a D-Row-like contract from last year, which ended yeah. up being too much. But at the time, I, I still would defend that move because they brought him back at a... At a base salary, which was which represented his veteran presence and gave him the opportunity to make more. And if that's how it was, I don't know what kind of bonus you put in for for a guy like like him that plays Maybe a role. Maybe a job at Saputo uh, Cheese Factory. Yeah, he's gonna, he's gonna deliver the crowd. That was the joke with Rivas back then. Rivas was paid fifty thousand dollars, and everybody's like, "Oh, that's so cheap." But over the years, we realized why he was paid fifty thousand. There you go. Deliver the curd. <laughs> Uh, I could use some curd. It's hard to find good fresh curd in the city of Toronto. We you need had to, to go to the smokes. You have to, yeah, maybe, yeah. I have to fix that. All right, um, Vancouver. We'll briefly touch on them. There's not much to touch on because they didn't get touched. One so. player left, Melody Belushi, who was mm-hmm. picked up by New York. That's the only move that uh, happened with Vancouver yesterday. Uh, what surprised me it was a Toronto move, though. There was a move, then there wasn't one. Yeah, and look, this is guys. There's a lot of people that are, oh, that's the TFC, and they and they and they get all angry because everything that doesn't make sense to them is obviously a mistake. And if it's a mistake, it obviously has to be TFC's fault. That's kind of a generic knee-jerk reaction here in the city of Toronto. And I'm not going to um, completely discount the validity of that reaction. There's a lot of evidence out there to suggest that often TFC screws up. However, in this particular case, this is more of a WTF MLS, as the title of the podcast is, than it is a WTF TFC. Um, What happened is that in this particular expansion draft, and this may have been the case in the past, but because it's muddy and it's MLS, we don't know, but we did know in this case that there was allocation that was provided to the teams when they lost a player in the expansion draft. So, it's not a lot of money, probably maybe 50000 That's the number I've heard bantied about. I don't know whether that's accurate or not, but that's the number I've heard. Basically, what's happened is that New York has claimed Daniel Lovitz. The league is gone. Okay, 
Daniel Lovitz is a is a city player now. Here's fifty thousand dollars allocation to TFC, and TFC has then gone to New York, going, "Hey, come here, come here, come here. Do you want the money? Do you want want to make it rain?" And handed it back, and Daniel Lovitz came back. So there's really nothing lost or nothing gained in this. I New York gained fifty thousand allocation that Toronto could have had but didn't have before they lost Daniel Lovitz. So it's four quarters for 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 Looney, right? Yeah, yeah, it's kind of a silly little thing that that makes me makes people crazy about MLS because it just doesn't make any sense to, to an outsider. And if you're just like a casual fan in Toronto, you're going to look at it and go, "What the hell? They screwed up again. We had to give money for a guy that should have been ours, and they should have protected him in the first place." Well, what happened is that they arranged this beforehand with New York and said, "Look, if we this is how much this player is going to be worth. Can we make something out that you'll select him? And they selected him pretty early. Yeah. So then we can immediately uh, protect Mark Bloom, which is the guy that they didn't want to lose, but had to make unprotected just based on how the things fell. Yeah. So basically this is the maneuver that TFC did to ensure that they weren't going to lose anyone. That that was their goal going into the expansion draft is they wanted to maintain their core. Insert your laugh track here, folks, if you don't believe in the core of TFC, but they believe in the core. So, they wanted to protect it, and this is what they did to protect it. And they didn't lose anything that we know of by doing it. Is it possible that there was a little bit of extra allocation thrown in there? Maybe, but I'll let you know in a secret, guys. TFC has like mountains of allocation this year. It's not a big deal if they all threw in another twenty grand or something. Another type of shady deal or under-the-table gentleman's agreement that happened yesterday, it was with New England. They had one player that was probably their best prospect in the future run, either with the club or to sell eventually, Diego Fagundes, young player, U.S. Miss National Team and all that. Well, he was not protected, but there was a gentleman's agreement before the actual draft started, like an hour before on the New England Revs' Twitter, it was announced that they did reach an agreement with both Orlando and New York so that they would not pick Diego and they would give allocation money to them or whatever they would agree with mm-hmm. and just lay off Diego so we don't have to protect him and we could put Jermaine Jones or Dean Wen and protect those guys that we really want. Yeah, it's good for the Vulcan Minority Podcast. They don't lose their swear bumper anymore now that you use that. Anyway. <laughs> uh, yeah, and this is the type of stuff that makes fans crazy. And when you have Don Garber talking at MLS Cup just not even a week ago on Sunday about the need for transparency and then you have an expansion draft where there's all these kinds of back-scratching handshakes behind closed doors Crazy signals. Yeah, like bat signal in the sky. The allocation signal went up above Philadelphia, maybe somewhere. Boo, boo, boo. It, it just makes people go, what the hell? Like, why do I even bother? And fans want to do this. This is the one thing in many ways. Mod drafts and all that, they like to do that. Yeah, I don't get it myself, I mean, but... <laughs> A lot of fans love that, and MLS kind of denies that aspect of the, that fantasy aspect of their of their fandom by just not a disclosing allocation, not disclosing these rules and all these sort of stuff. It's just a bad start, Kevin. Another example is to the before the reentry waiver draft, we looked for hour to get the number the list of the fifty eight players, and it came out five minutes before the actual start of the, re, the reentry waiver. The waiver draft, yeah. So what's the point of making it public if you 10 minutes? How can we get prepared with 10 minutes? It's not, I thought it was stupid, too. And we have to be careful. You called it the re-entry waiver. The re-entry draft is actually yes. in two days. The waiver uh, draft. The waiver draft uh, is was yesterday. Uh, these are different too things based on level of the experience and whether the re-entry draft, which will wrap up on Monday, 
Um, I'm at a soccer tournament on uh, on Friday, so you're not getting live coverage from me. Uh, anyway, yeah, it's all very confusing to the casual fan, and it sort of, I think, deludes things. The one other last point that I wanted to, to make on this is that when you talk about the transparency, a couple things jump out. Uh, L.A. and New York didn't lose anyone, and this is now the two... Everyone recognizes that there's, these are the two clubs that everyone assumes that the head office wants to do well and bends over backwards for, right? Especially the Galaxy, but yeah. the Red Bulls too. In the last three expansion drafts, the LA Galaxy and the New York Red Bulls have not lost a single single player. We're going back to the Vancouver expansion draft here. They haven't 2011. lost anyone. LA is the best team in the league during that time, and they haven't lost a player? That makes no sense. They just won the championship, and New York or Orlando did not want to have one champion in their team? No, that Dan Gargan was available. That yeah. might have been a nice, decent pickup. That he has was the experience. first pick in everybody's mock draft, Dan Gergen. Yeah, but alas, here we are. So that begs the question, what the hell kind of deal does L.A. have in place? You know, I mean, that's the best scenario is that there's this deal that we haven't heard of to, to not select anyone. The worst deal is the league going, ah, you know, these guys, they're on there, but they're not because we want them to stay because we want L.A. to be good. It, this It's ridiculous. I mean, and. Is it, even if there's nothing unbecoming going on, it's just like the league has to at one point have to not be so myopic about what the hell is going on and all this perception about LA and New York getting favorable treatment. Because when you look at something like that, how do you explain it? If it happened once, fine coincidence. Twice, I don't know. But the last three expansion drafts, so the last five teams that came in the league did not pick one player from the two best teams in the league over the last five, six years? Yeah. Just and- on a on a... On a on the pitch level, on sport level, doesn't make sense at all. Yeah, and it's five picks, to be clear, because one of those expansion drafts was Montreal's, which just had the what, single team. Well, yeah. But the the other two were uh, the Portland, uh, Vancouver, and uh, this past one, of course, with New York and uh, and Orlando. Oh, okay. Um, let's take a quick break, Kevin, and we'll come back and we'll talk a little bit about just overall New York and what it now means to have a second team in the New York area. If you make it there, you can make it anywhere. I've heard that somewhere. We should get a Red Bulls fan on here one day because we talk a lot about NYCFC because of my natural uh, curiosity about them because of my Manchester City fandom. But uh, also just they're new and they're more interesting when they're new. But I think we should get the perspective of the other side of that rivalry soon. Um, And we wanted to talk a bit about that right now with New York City FC coming in yesterday and getting some players uh, in line. I think the NYCFC and both Orlando, what happens in the next two months is going to matter more to what their actual first day draft and what their their provision, what they're going to look like. I think what they got yesterday were uh, ammunitions for trades and whatever, right? Yeah, and the bit pieces, depth. Um, stuff that will play in U.S. Open Cup matches. And, you know, there might if one or two of those guys stand. If you look at past expansion drafts, if you get one, two, three guys from the expansion draft that are, are standout players that are starters for you, you've done very well. So True. that's kind of you have to wait and see on that. Um, but the New York thing, there was there has been some talk that the Red Bulls are, are growing bored with the investment. Uh, you know, they didn't go after big names in the off season. They left a DP slot open for a while there. Uh, Henri's going now, so how do they replace him? Uh, this is a really, as much as it's interesting for NYCFC this year, I think it's as interesting for the Red Bulls. What happens to the New York Red Bulls? Do they even stay the New York Red Bulls, Kevin? I don't know. There's a rumor that came out. Oh, it's been out for a little while, but yesterday it was an article written on it, and people that we respect were talking about it. 
uh, aka Brian Carson on Facebook and uh, other of our friends in the United States. Well, it seems like there might be something in the work where the Red Bulls are ready to sell the stadium and the team, and a team like the Cosmos could swoop in, get the team and the club, make the transition to MLS, but who knows it can happen. Yeah, I'm always very reluctant to have New York Cosmos talks, not because I have anything against them per se. I'm, I'm far more pro-NASL than, than most people to do these kind of podcasts, from what I've been able mm-hmm. to tell. Uh, however, you know, I do recognize that there's a certain segment, a very a minority segment of the Cosmos fans that are a little bit uh, relentless in, in their, their dislike of, of the MLS structures. So I do wonder that if the Cosmos group went in and bought the Red Bulls, then that would be great for them. And certainly they would get that iconic name. Uh, attached to Major League Soccer, but I think they might alienate their existing fans. Because fan everything that all the fans stand for for yeah. the Cosmos. They wouldn't want that name attached to What would Major Ted League do? Soccer. Which team would Ted support? Oh, that's not tough. <laughs> um, I'm sorry. They've got the tinfoil downstairs later, but... Uh, yeah, I don't know. I mean, and look, I think there's I think that there's room, and I hate the NESL versus MLS. I don't hate it. I get it, but I I think that there's room for both leagues yeah. in a in a market this large, and I think that there's room to have two competing philosophies that are out there, and it kind of makes things interesting. Um, I get that the NESL people feel a little bit uh, ignored. Um, I don't think that the quality gap is as great as it's sometimes made out to be, but I do think there is a quality gap there, and, and MLS clearly is the better league right now. Mm. Um, but in terms of, of that rebrand, you know, I don't know whether I, it works. It works because they're going to keep their same crowd. Although that said, there would be some Red Bull fans that might resist against the name <laughs> yeah. change too. Um, and the, the location is really different too. You're going from uh, Nassau County to. To Nassau, to yeah, I mean, uh, and, Harrison, New Jersey. And if we talked to, when we had um, a chance on from uh, NYCFC, uh, the third rail there a couple weeks ago, he talked about like just how uh, how much the boroughs matter, like the marketing to specific areas of the mm-hmm. city. I mean, we're not talking about very big areas, geographically speaking, differences, but um, aesthetically, just emotionally, philosophically, they matter. Density uh, population, too. There's yeah. a lot of people in the square foot in New York City. I mean, I look even in, in Toronto, like, I mean, I'm an East End guy. I live in East York, and I kind of, I associate and, and feel an affinity towards East York that I don't necessarily feel for other parts of the city. That said, this city's not, this is like half the size of New York City. So you expand yeah. that even further, and you get how, like, if you move a team from one side, like, way over here, and move it to way over there, not even in the city anymore, uh, it's, you're not going to, the fans aren't going to follow. It's just no. too far for them. Um, and it's going to be interesting. It's going to be a different sport, but uh, the Islanders are doing the same thing next year, going from... From uh, Uniondale to Brooklyn. It's going to be interesting if maybe that will, if the fan follows, it might give ideas to New York, to Cosmos. If it doesn't, it might uh, put uh, stops in their plans. I think the the Islanders still are technically on Long Island, and and Brooklyn Brooklyn is the very tip of Long Island. Um, anyway, we're getting into the geography. No, it's just just an example of how a team can uh, change market without changing market. Yeah, absolutely. Anyway, uh, a little off topic. What does it mean, though, for the Red Bulls? Do, 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 does NYSCFC take fans off of the Red Bulls? And Chance didn't think so. Do you think so? Yeah, I do. I I think they need to change the branding of the Red Bulls. Not the Red Bull part, but the New York part. Well, they can do that too. If you, if you want to, oh yeah, true. But if you want to uh, get that identity of... The New mm-hmm. Jersey people don't identify with the Red Bulls because it says New York on them. Mm-hmm. And for them, they're not from New York, they're from New Jersey. People from New York are like, they're playing in New Jersey, so why are they representing us? There's like a weird uh, weird uh, dynamic between the two. You rebrand them the New Jersey Red Bulls, and then you have the New York, so you can have the 
the Jersey versus the city type of rivalry. I actually have a better idea altogether than that. Let's leave geography right out of it and uh, go with uh, go with the simple name of the, the, this name. Get rid of Red Bulls too. If Red Bulls sell New York United, no. <laughs> so you have the Manchester Derby in New York. Metro Stars FC. Ah, uh, I heard that before. Yeah, that's the old name, of course. They were the New York, New Jersey Metro Stars and then just the New York Metro Stars and then they weren't the Metro Stars at all. And uh, the Metro is still something that those fans associate with. So to me, that's your answer. Just take New York and New Jersey right out of it. Just call them the Metro Stars. You can still draw from what those crowds, fans that are coming across the bridge, you can still draw from them. You can maybe just keep holding on to that audience there too and just try and become that that anti-NYCFC, anti Manhattan downtown, Manhattan, but Nancy downtown, yeah. uh, elite sort of thing. You're like, because it's even the big, rich Manchester City, Manchester United, Jesus, Dwayne. <laughs> Manchester City. Careful, you'll get beat up by one of your fans. <laughs> yeah. I'm blue, <laughs> too. <laughs> At any rate, the like it's the antiness, right? Like, you almost play that up, and I get that chip on your shoulder and be like, yeah, we're the real New York, and we're the real region, because it is kind of the same region, right? Like, I yeah. think that's kind of the way that they have to go. Um, you know, that said, we saw some big crowds there in the playoffs. I think there is a viable and a, and a vibrant fan base there. It's just how you go forward. Um, I won't miss the Red Bulls branding if they get rid of it. It never really caught on to us, at least, because we know what Red Bulls does. It goes into market, destroys the history of the team, and eventually kills the team. We saw that happen before. It's happening actually in Salzburg and stuff like that. So it's going to be interesting to see how it does in do you think, just a question like this, does mm-hmm. Red Bull uh, regret their investment in the league over the last five years? Because they spent over like $500 million on team, stadium, and everything? I, I, yeah, I can't speak for their corporate strategies. Uh, certainly, they're deaf to a lot of it. They're very aggressive in how they go in there. Um, they probably, I, I would suspect that Red Bull has found that they got what they wanted out of their soccer investment worldwide and is now looking to de-invest. That's my my guess. That's what it looks like because uh, player-wise, they let players open for the draft pick. There was DP, Cahill, Leundula. They let Henri go. Did not talk, not even talks of getting a new DP. So, their action does speak to that aspect of things. Yeah, there's there's an argument to be made, a suggestion to be made that maybe the New York experiment was all about bringing Henri in and having Henri associated with their brand for X amount of years. And now that he's gone, it's like, okay, well, we've got what we can out of this. We might as well. And they built the stadium there, and which is probably the best thing that they, they did. That they it's got the best there. stadium in the league, I have to agree. Uh, on many different levels, except maybe the location, it's a great stadium. Harrison? Yeah. Um, <laughs> At any rate, so that now that they're done with that, they'll sell off and they'll they'll get recoup their investment to a certain extent by selling off. And uh, who's who buys it? Anyway, like I said, my my vote's Metros. Let's go back with the Metros. Let's go there. Sounds good. All right, uh, that's a special edition. Uh, we got a Kevin's got to check out of the hotel, so we got to go. And uh, until the meantime, Kevin, I have a great soccer and uh, be careful out there in the snow. Thanks for listening to the Two Solitude Soccer Podcast on Stitcher Radio with Dwayne Rollins and Kevin Laramay. Subscribe to the show on Stitcher Radio. Listen to the show on Stitcher Radio. Stitcher Radio, Stitcher Radio. Would you just please subscribe to the show on Stitcher Radio? Thank you very much for subscribing to the show. And now, back to the show on Stitcher Radio. Coming soon on Stitcher Radio.